The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Situation Room. All right. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Situation Room. Um, this is Gabe Ferguson. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Gabe Fergie. My normal co-host, Jordan Coe, is out this week, but I have a pinch hitter, and I'm very happy to have Alec Pulianis here with me today. Um, Alec, if you would like to kind of give yourself a little brief uh, intro here to the Situation Room. Yeah, man, we were talking before the show, and I'm greatly honored to be the, the first, uh, I guess, uh, guest host on this show. It's one of the ones that whenever I see it in my podcast feed, I get excited. You guys do an awesome job, and uh, it's definitely one of the best Ravens podcasts out there. I really appreciate the time you put into it. But uh, yeah, I've been doing a Ravens podcast as well called Ravens Recap since 2019, which was a wonderful season to start, and uh, just been loving breaking down the game with uh, two of my long-time uh, friends. We've been, uh, we kind of met through an interesting way, and have been really close ever since and we've been watching football together for a while and breaking it down just like you guys so uh yeah definitely appreciate being on the show it's called ravens recap you can find us on twitter ravens underscore recap i would definitely concur um everybody should give alec a follow um, on twitter and listen to his podcast he puts out great content as well so um we here in the Ravens family you know we're all here to encourage ourselves encourage each other and to build each other up so Getting, in more, getting more listeners out there is good for all of us, I believe. So um, I appreciate you coming on again, Alec. It's been kind of a crazy past couple of weeks, both in real life and in um, Raven's life. Um, so, you know, before, you know, we get too into things, um, maybe we can just jump off into this past game. I know it was last Thursday, so a lot of us have kind of put it out of our minds a little bit. It was, it was an ugly Thursday night game. Um, Obviously, taking a loss, maybe there's a little silver lining in the other losses that happen around the NFL as well, so it doesn't sting quite as bad. Um, do you have some like overall big picture takeaways that you wanted to share? Well, you know, we talked about it, and I think a lot of Ravens fan felt this way going into the game, where the only way the Ravens could lose this game is if they shot themselves in the foot, and they, they, they got a real joy out of it. So they did a lot of that, and unfortunately... Um, you know, they just weren't able to overcome their their faults. I think the nice silver lining of it all is that if the Ravens are being themselves, that's something that they can fix. That's on them. It's really promising to know that there's talent on the team to overcome and beat most opponents. And that's the thing that I think the organization, us as fans, have to focus on. And how can we improve? And I think that's what we're going to kind of break into here with the Situation Room is let's figure out where we fell short and figure out how to mend that and move forward. So... Um, I always have this this notion of um, lost tokens, and I'm like, honestly, I don't really care how we lose games. Um, it, they always stink, and honestly, we're spoiled as Ravens fans that it's usually us doing the beating to ourselves. So, you know, it, it could be against the Dolphins. It could be against, um, you know, whoever. And it doesn't matter who you lose to. At the end of the day, the Ravens kind of beat themselves in these situations, and they can learn just as much every time. It doesn't really matter what the opponent was. 
Yeah, I full heartedly, full heartedly agree with you. And in the end, you know, a loss is a loss when you're looking at the columns of the, the wins and losses. It doesn't matter if it was close. It doesn't matter if it was a blowout. What matters is how you, you know, learn from that loss. What can you take away from it as a team? Um, can they make some interesting changes that we hope to see down the road? Um, we'll have to you know, kind of wait and see what, what goes on with that. But I think that's kind of the takeaway that I have. You know, this was... It was a difficult situation in some senses, you know, Thursday night road game after a difficult overtime victory. It's not necessarily the best situation to go into. Um, you know, Harbaugh talked afterwards about kind of not having a team prepared. Um, I, th- I think that's something we're going to talk a little bit about. Um, but that said, there were a couple things that I thought went pretty well when, when the game got started. Like the first couple of drives looked like normal Ravens drives. They were doing great, you know, getting all kinds of different players involved in the offense. Um, you know, obviously they got cut off in the first drive. Delay of game held them back. Um, that's something I want to touch on a little bit. Then the second drive, missed field goal. Like, that's the kind of way to lose a football game. If, if you're getting down into the opponent territory and are not able to kind of, like, get up early because the defense was doing their job, especially early on in this game. Yeah, you're totally right, Gabe. Unfortunately, something happened to the Ravens where they kind of lost their identity, I felt like, in this game. You saw multiple times that they got into the uh, deep part of Dolphins territory, and on fourth and manageable, they chose not to go for it and chose not to even kick a 55-yard field goal. And that's, like, shocking, right? That feels like Tucker time every single time. It feels like a go-for-it. It feels like Lamar waving off the kicking team. Um, and none of that was there. They they seem to have lacked the confidence. And I think one thing that was kind of interesting that Chris brought up in our show was that, you know, when you have a full week, you maybe have a couple of game plans. But when it's a short week, you only have one. And if you guess wrong, you're going to be left scrambling a little bit more than normal. And I know that Roman's been saying, you know, I don't, uh, you know, come up with schemes anymore at the beginning because everyone plays is different, which I kind of it's like kind of your job to do that. So I kind of got a little annoyed with that, to be honest. But, uh, you know, I think that was maybe something to look into is that they guessed wrong about how this Dolphins team was going to attack them. And it took them, and I, th- I think a negligently long time to figure it out because, you know, I, I want to give some benefit of the doubt because it took me a while to figure it out live, so to speak. Um, and it wasn't upon rewatching that I got really angry at like some of the decisions being made. But at the same time, they're professionals, and I think, you know, they someone should have figured this out sooner. And unfortunately, I guess the thing that kind of irks me as a Ravens fan is that these are the things that we've been calling for for a lot of the season now. The way, the solutions, the ways that they started actually making progress after those first two drives, and then like the that doldrum of <laughs> back and forth punts, the field position game. Um, you know, it's the same itself, spreading it out. You know, and it just it was super frustrating to see that. Yeah, I think this definitely is one of those games where you see all the opportunities and and the opportunity lost of, of not being able to take advantage of the situations that they were in pretty consistently. Um, there, was, there was multiple occasions where the Ravens got the ball around the 50-yard line because the defense had made a stop. Um, they had you know, pushed the, the, the Dolphins backwards, and they got maybe a quick first down and then stalled. I think that happened at least twice, maybe three times. Um, it, it, was, it was kind of like you know, who, who is this team and, you know, what happened to that kind of, 
you know, aggressive mindset that we've seen before in the past. It, it seemed to be a very passive approach to this game, and maybe that's because of the short week. Maybe it's because you know it was hot and humid, and they and they just didn't have that. It's, those feel like excuses, um, but it's I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of little things that went wrong. Like I mentioned the Tucker kick. I, for instance, I thought Sam Cook had maybe his worst game ever as a Ravens punter. Yeah. He had multiple short kicks that put the the Dolphins in position. Where, um, also in, in good field position where they shouldn't have been in. Um, he could have pinned them several times when, when that didn't happen. Um, I, I, I don't know what, what there's this there just felt like a team that wasn't ready to play, frankly. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. They definitely felt flat. And um, at first, you know, I kind of took the Harbs presser. I usually am a sucker and listen to those things. And I took the presser as like, you know, him dodging blame on other uh, performers when he's like, you know, it's on me as coaching staff. But as I look back on it, I think I think he was right, actually. You know, I think it was a coaching issue at this point. And um, I think one thing I would love to talk about, dude, and, and I think it's one of the number one situations I went wrong is the second down. Um, I think they are killing themselves this year on second down because, unfortunately, this Ravens team can't run the ball like they once did. And you're seeing themselves constantly put themselves in situations where it's third and long. And the problem is when you have a defense where if, if we give any credit to Miami, one of the things that they're good at is the zero blitz and, and dialing up that pressure on third down. We saw that the Ravens really struggled to generate enough yards. Maybe they completed a pass, but it wasn't enough, you know, five yards instead of seven. And it's because, in my opinion, um, they are just – ignoring who they are this year and it's super sad and i think we all want to see them bully people and be a good running team and i don't think it's out of the question that it could come this year but it's not the team they are right now they still need to get a few pieces back i think for that to truly start happening and yeah it just it's killing them man they're just not able to execute because they put themselves in bad situations um and they just keep doing it and it's not it's not until like the game's almost out of hand that they figure out like oh, maybe we should, you know, do the thing that's been working all year. And it, there's too many games where they're waiting till the last minute to turn it on, so to speak. And I think it's a little bit of stubbornness. Yeah, you know, that's something that uh, Jordan and I have talked a lot about this year. Um, what we like to refer to as the arrogance of, of the play calling. Um, Greg Roman in particular yeah, he seems to have this kind of idea of I'm going to call the plays that I think are going to work. And um, even when he's been shown repeatedly that they, they aren't working, uh, whether that's a personnel thing because, you know, they have guys injured, whether it's a personnel thing because they're not executing on the field, um, whether it's a, you know, a defensive, defensive scheme that's trying to take away those plays. Um, any, of, any of those above reasons you have to adjust to. Um, and, and that's kind of what NFL is. It's a game of adjustments. And it's not waiting to the fourth quarter to make those adjustments. It's one play later or one one series later and seeing what they're doing and having that ability to react knowing what you can do to attack what they're doing it's, it's kind of like this evolving chess game and i just feel like at times like roman's playing checkers while the opponents are playing chess i mean he's he has this very simple idea of what he's going to do while the, the other people other defensive coordinators are saying okay we're going to take away this thing and we're going to make you do something else that you don't want to do and to, to Roman's credit, at times this season, I feel like he has made those moves. Um, you know, we, we've seen them attack downfield when, when teams were kind of stacking the box. We've seen them at times attack the short, you know, intermediate area when teams were taking away the deep stuff. Um, this game, they didn't seem to have that answer. And 
whether that's because of the short week, whether that's because of just an off game for Lamar, I think it might be a, a combination of these factors. Also, just a, a poor game plan going into it. Um, I, I mean, there's been a lot of reactionary thoughts about the coordinators, um, not just in this game. I, I feel like there's been kind of like this kind of drumbeat of, of fire Greg Roman Um it's, it's happening in certain, certain areas louder than others. Some people are going to defend him to the end. Some people are saying, you know, you know why isn't he fired already? Um, but I, I do think that there needs to be a, a, a real evaluation of, of what's going on here because it hasn't been just this game where the offense hasn't worked. There have been a number of games this season where you're kind of like holding your head in your hand and saying, why can you not see what's going on? Why can you not attack it better? You know, there have been entire, like, first halves. I'm thinking back to the, the Coles game, for instance. That game was, I thought, like, the, one of the ugliest games I've ever seen until Lamar just went bonkers in the second half. I was hoping this game would be a similar situation. You know, they look ugly in the first half, and then yeah. they kind of turn it on. That turning on never got there in this one. I, I don't know why. Yeah, well, they weren't they weren't doing the things that usually constitute the turn on. And I think it's because you, know, you were teasing about it on Twitter, dude, but I think you're on the money. It wasn't until they had a double-digit... Uh, loss, you know, a differential or point differential rather, that they were like, all right, let's do it. And um, it it kind of feels like that arrogance you were talking about where it's they think they can play their game plan that's not working, even when the game's close because they're like, well, surely once it starts working, this is this is going to be good. And I just think it's it's just dead wrong at this point. And the, the Greg Roman thing is super fascinating because I think he's grown a lot as a coordinator this year. I think we have to give credit where credit's due, that the scheme has been much better. But I think the thing that's frustrating is that it is better, and we know that we can do these other things. We see it, and it's the consistency and um, almost dedication to it that's missing. And I think one big thing to talk about, too, overarching the whole game was the tempo. They don't use tempo to their advantage, even though that's a huge thing in their back pocket that is a byproduct of these comebacks is when they start using tempo. And they're getting to the line too late, so they're doing these shifts with five seconds left, and you're you're wondering if they're going to have another delay a game. And that's just not acceptable. I think you got to get out of the huddle faster, be able to look at diagnose the defense. And, you know, the thing is, Gabe, I don't know what's happening here, but... We were talking a little bit before the show of how many plays were left on the table where they checked into something that could have worked and actually probably was a good check. But because the execution was so poor, it looked terrible. But in in retrospect, and I I highly recommend everybody go watch the Kurt Warner video because I think he nailed it and he showed you the ways that they did it wrong. But it was like um, not being on the same page, hesitation and speed. I think one of the big things is, Lamar, you got to you got to throw the ball sooner. He was weighing a little too long on many throws, and the wide receiver wasn't getting uh, in an opportune spot. I mean, 13 targets for Hollywood Brown. You think that's going to be a big game? He only had six catches, and it wasn't really his fault. Sure, he may have dropped one, but a lot of those passes were not catchable, or they were just very poor. Uh, and, and one of them, he was best not to catch because he was behind the line of scrimmage and was about to get slaughtered. So it's just a, a frustrating game all around, um, and it was just – Lack of execution in the times that they had the right call and bad calls that got them into bad spots where they couldn't execute. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you're 100% right on everything you just said. And there's two things I really wanted to kind of highlight. Um, one is tempo. Um, and this is something that to me is 
probably the biggest issue I had with this game um, where you, for everything that they were failing at, you know, they were still able to sometimes get one first down or maybe two first downs. That's an opportunity to kind of put your foot on the gas and put the pressure on the defense as opposed to letting them, you know, settle in and like get their their game plan ready, get their players set up where they need to be. If you're moving quickly, if you're especially if you're in a personnel group that you like, you can really take advantage of a defense. Um, as something that the Ravens have never really done well. Um, and there's a few things the Ravens have never really done well. Yeah, Screen right. passes are one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Tempo is another thing. I remember going back, um, I don't know, maybe it was in like Flacco's like third or fourth season, and they started talking about how the Ravens are going to start using the sugar huddle. Oh, yeah, and the sugar how, huddle. And how that was going to be the game-changing thing. I think that lasted for like maybe three games, and then they just abandoned it. Because for whatever reason, they can't get the plays in on time. The players aren't able to line up in time. They don't know what they're doing. There's just a complete lack of communication. I mean, we're like six different offensive coordinators past that now, but we're still seeing the same issues with this basic concept of getting the play in or giving your quarterback the opportunity to get his play in. You know, that that's what a lot of, you know, the kind of the elite quarterbacks are doing. They understand the situation. They understand this is what our offense needs to be doing. I'm going to take control here and get our guys into a, a position where we can win. I don't know if, if Lamar has the ability to do that, so I'm not going to, like, just, you know, it's something that he's not doing if he's not given the opportunity. But I would like to see him have that opportunity. I would like to see him given, you know, the responsibility on the field to be that kind of general out there, to be that captain, to say, we need to pick things up. We need to start moving the ball quickly. Here's the plays that I know can work in this situation, and we're going to, you know, run quarterback power. Then we're going to hit him with, like, an RPO. Then we're going to hit him with you know, a deep out to the Hollywood. I mean, just sequencing of plays is something that I feel is not working well in this offense. It hasn't been working all season. Um, and there have been moments where it does work when they're getting their defenses on their heels and the offense looks explosive and unstoppable, but it's few and far between. And I think it all starts with the ability to get the play in, like you said, or at least give the quarterback the opportunity to have a little bit more say in pushing that tempo. One concept that I've been trying to develop is kind of a exclusive. First time I kind of said it out loud, so to speak, is that um, the opportunity costs of having some of these players in the game versus others, the personnel packages, right? So they're they're doing things with Tomlinson, you know, they're having Ricard in, um, they're taking players like Bateman, who I think is just having an outstanding start, and it's it's sad that he got injured and we didn't have him all year just to kind of see the the whole arc. Hopefully, is a fully healthy season next year, but. You know, there's opportunity costs to having these different personnel packages out there, and they will not allow you to get some of the tempo you might want because um, you need to do substitutions in and out, in and out, and you're not able to get back to the line quickly. And I'm starting to wonder if uh, they could have more success running the ball almost out of 11 personnel and not their heavy packages, despite the fact that their heavy players are good. They're, they're, they're quality at what they do. But I almost think that spreading out the defenders, making them have lighter personnel because they're worried about Bateman, they're worried about Duvernay, etc., could actually garner a better like uh, overall ability to block and create seams for this running team that they're lacking. They're severely lacking this year. And too many times we saw, I kind of alluded, you know, when they spread the ball out, things good things happen. 
you know, on these cover zero blitzes, <laughs> they would send all the players into the middle of the field, which is exactly what the defense wants you to do because they're not even playing their mans. They're just looking at where the ball is going to go and they flood and that's why you're not getting the yards. So, I mean, it was just like they, they did exactly the wrong thing in these coverages and it made you just throw your hands into, you know, your head in your hands and you're just so upset. Like over and over, you just kept seeing them shoot themselves on the foot, not giving them themselves the opportunity to make the plays. And, um, I saw a couple times just the personnel packages being very questionable. I remember one third down, I saw Duvernay and Walken is out there. And I'm like, those aren't the two guys I would choose. And I mean, I like Duvernay a lot. I, I liked Watkins a lot before this game. This game was miserable for him. And I hope, you know, he is able to kind of bounce back because I think he was playing at a pretty good level before he got hurt. But yeah, it was it was just bad. Yeah, um, I agree with you with the personnel thing. And, and that's one of the things that... I've talked a little bit about um, previously. I think the Ravens don't use their personnel to their advantage on a regular basis. They, they, it's not always the case. Um, I'm thinking back to the Denver game. They used a lot of heavy personnel and passed out of it, and it was really successful. Um, and, you know, I'd have to look at the numbers to kind of see um, how, how they've done over the course of the season. But it, it definitely seems like when they can spread teams out, they're more successful running the ball. That's something that we've seen out of them in the past. It, it, it seems like when you don't have necessarily the elite like O-line um, that they've had in the past or the elite talent at running back, um, clearly, you know, the Ravens, you know, are not where they would want to be with the, with the running back situation. You need to figure out ways to put them in an advantageous position and and doing something that the defense might not expect is a great way of doing that. So if you can spread teams out, if you can push the tempo a little bit, I think you can run out of 11 personnel. Um, I think you you have a lot of opportunities to um, you know do some interesting things. And, and it doesn't even have to be the running backs necessarily. You can spread people out and, and use those jet motions. You know you mentioned Duvernay. He's not the guy you you want to see out there in, in third down. And I don't necessarily disagree with you, but. You know, when he got the ball in his hands in this game, he was successful on on a couple of plays. Um, he's someone I like having the ball in his hands. Um, if you have a couple blockers out in front of him, because he has the speed, he has the ability to make somebody miss and and make some plays with his with his feet. Um, that's that's something that is is sorely lacking, I think, at times with their with their backfield. Um, so I, I I think Duvernay is someone who could have an ex- a larger role if if he if the Ravens were willing to do that. Um, obviously, Bateman, he had one of his better games um, as a Raven. He's just missed getting in the end zone. Um, I think he he's going to get that touchdown sooner than later. Um, he just looks like someone who is ready to play right away in the NFL. I mean, obviously, he's come in and, and made big plays every single time he's been on the field. So I'm excited to see him uh, moving forward, hopefully having a larger role. Um, you know, the Ravens do have, I guess, four wide receivers that they kind of, kind of split their snaps around. Hollywood gets the most snaps, um, I think, which is deserving. He's having a fantastic year as well. Um, but I, I think you know Bateman probably should be that number two guy um, who's out there on on most of your your personnel groupings when you have two wide receivers. I, I don't see many situations where where Watkins is going to be a better option than him. So yeah, like like you said, I mean, I think we all love Patrick Ricard. He's a really good fullback, but he doesn't need to be out there like 50% of your snaps. Um, there's definitely packages where you want him out there. And I think 
you know, you, you can use him as a decoy in some situations and you can like send a, a deep route with, with him. And we even saw him in the Minnesota game be effective in the passing game. So, so kudos to Patrick Ricard for, you know, kind of becoming a, a good, well-rounded weapon. But at the same time, he's probably not your best personnel package in a, in a lot of situations, especially when you're trailing, um, especially when your, your running game, frankly, isn't, isn't working. You, you need to kind of figure out a, a better way to use the players that you have at your disposal. Um, I, I mean, I feel like we could talk all day about play calling. Um, clearly, you know, the, the cover zero looks that they were getting all game, um, they, they just didn't really have the answer to. Um, you know, you referenced that, that Kurt Warner video, and I think he did a great job of, of kind of describing what the Ravens were doing, how they were trying to combat it, and how they were failing, um, whether that's by design or by execution. Um, clearly, they were failing in this game. Um, the, the irony of it, of course, is this is kind of the Wink Martindale, right? This is what he likes to do on defense. Um, although he normally doesn't do it 20 sometimes a game, which is pretty ridiculous that the Dolphins just in the second half, especially it was every single play. They were just lined up, you know, six, seven guys at the line of scrimmage. Um, they would do this same, same look, the same fire zone. They would drop a couple of defensive linemen often into the short zone and they would have somebody unblocked off the edge. It was, it was ridiculous that these blocking schemes weren't able to figure out how to, how to, you know, come up with a way to stop it. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. There was a lot of failure that went around. Um, I don't know if there's anything else we can talk about on play calling. I feel like it's kind of beating a dead horse. Um, the Ravens uh, were two for 14 on third down. Yeah, it's been an issue all season. Is oh, there anything bad. we can do about that? I mean, you mentioned third and long. Do you, is that the problem? Well, I think yeah. You get into these positions where you you put yourself in situations a lot of teams don't excel at, right? And that's um, the tempo, the play calling cadences, and just stacking these kind of. Uh, pieces together i do want to go back a little bit to duvernay i Mm -hmm. I don't disagree at all man i think the way that we manufactured touches for him in the first drive was excellent i think he's a weapon it's just more so like if you have only two wide receivers on like big third down i'm probably gonna want duvernay being the third guy out there Uh, not to say that it wouldn't work i think you know it was just one observation of the personnel package but i do think duvernay might be one of the uh keys to unlocking this offense i think um, you know, Ken's been saying it a lot uh, that we should use him in the backfield. I completely agree. Um, he's got that build anyways. He's kind of a little ball of muscle running around. And um, I think he'd be really exciting back there. And who knows? Maybe they're working on it right now and they're not quite there and they want to bring it out eventually, but it's not quite right for prime time. But we're seeing a little bit more of these design plays, a little, uh, you know, pitch to him um, as he jets across and other uh, other design plays. So it's, it's, it's coming, but... Uh, I think there's just so many opportunities for them to kind of just get after these teams and make them pay. I think another thing, you know, they take out um, Mark Andrews a lot. I understand he needs breaks, but the the guy is playing excellent this year as a blocker. Um, he's had a lot of really great blocks. So why not have that dual threat? I mean, he's one of the best receivers on the team. And you take him out for a guy who may be marginally better than him in blocking, but not at all the threat in the pass game. And like you were saying, this is a personnel thing where there's an opportunity cost to having him out of the game. And it's making, even though you think like, oh, a better blocker will be good for a run play. It actually might be better to have the more threatening passing guy, even if you take a little less from the blocking to get after uh, that opportunity. Another thing that I was talking 
Jason about from Huddle It Up Films is this concept of if you're just going to be using your running back to be another blocker, it's all pass pro, maybe it is better to use heavy personnel for that, right? Instead of just having your line or your, your running back who's not as good as a blocker, maybe you have Ricard there in that spot, even though he's not as, uh, you know, dynamic. Uh, Pancake Pack can still do some stuff, as we saw a week ago. So I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of almost ex- exploration that can be done on this offense that they seem um, reluctant to try. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. Um, I, I do think that there's a little bit of a lack of creativity. Um, they show like flashes of it, and then it's not something they want to go to I, I mean even something as simple as we mentioned earlier like using more tempo um that's something you can do maybe like once or twice a, a drive like just try it you know if you're up try it if you're down try it just just do something to you know throw a curveball at, at the defense show something different um and that, that's not something that's really complicated I, yes you have to have the communication you know going well for the offense and you have to be able to get the plays in um but i feel like that's a simple thing that you could you know, try to exploit, you know, you, like you said, using your personnel slightly differently. Um, that's something that maybe they're working on. Maybe they're, you know, saving that for the stretch run. Um, who knows? It's, it's, it's not impossible to imagine that they wanted to kind of keep some of their aces up their sleeve, so to speak. When, when you have the stretch down, down the stretch that the Ravens have, some of the, the games are going to be, you know, pretty tricky. There's a lot of divisional games. They have some of the tougher out-of-division games as well. Um, so maybe you're not trying to show everything on, on a Thursday night game to a 2-7 and seven, uh, Dolphins team or a 2-16 and 16 Dolphins team. But um, I I don't know. I, I, I do think that, there, like you said, there's opportunity. Um, we'll, we'll see if that changes. But um, the good thing is I would say that the Ravens do have personnel on offense that I believe in. Um, I don't think it's like a, a lost cause for this team to still be, you know, one of the better offenses in the NFL. Um, they just have to clean things up a little bit. And um, hopefully, you know, this, this game kind of lit a fire under them. You know, I was hoping that that was the Cincinnati game. Um, but, you know, maybe this game is is a bigger eye-opening uh, because they absolutely have much less margin for error now. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a situation where... The, the AFC North looks, it's pretty close all around. You know, there's there's some teams that also looked really bad, and I don't have time to talk about that, but um, it, you don't really have the opportunity to, to kind of fall around going down the stretch. Yeah, I think the last couple of things I would throw out there, um, I think you had in your notes, uh, pocket movement, something we've been calling for. Um, I know that it's been up and down the times that they've tried it, but I think that's a, a scheme that they could add to mix things up a bit. And also just, um, like you said, man, there's there's just a lot of stones left to be turned. Maybe they have some aces up their sleeve that they're, they're holding back on. AFC North's very interesting. I, I agree. We can't get into it right now, but everybody looks pretty flawed. And some people might be about to nosedive, which would be good for the Ravens. But uh, we'll see. We, we play them soon, so we'll find out. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, I, I know I mentioned my favorite term probably is, is RPO. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel, you know, I, I don't, I haven't been tracking it because I, I feel like, I don't know, I don't know why, because I'm lazy, I guess. Um, but <laughs> every, every single time the, uh, the Ravens run an RPO, it seems to be an effective play for them. Um, it's never a big gainer, 
or generally speaking, but you know they're consistently picking up chunks, 10, 15, 12 yards on, on RPOs. They're running, they're, they're hitting their wide receivers on these kind of like skinny posts or, or, or slants, a glance route, so to speak, um, out of the slot. And it seems like it's open almost every single time. You know, it freezes the, the defender long enough to, to allow that passing lane to be there. Um, I just don't know why they don't use it more frequently. It's something that is completely foreign to me. Why, why you can't see that something is working so effectively almost every single time you do it and just you barely do it. it I don't know. That's just one of those things that bothers me. It bothers me too, and I have nothing else to add because it's just one of those things where why aren't they doing it? Gosh, maybe one of the beat writers need to ask that question because I don't know. It's it's really questionable. Um, it might be a a rep thing. You you to me maybe the only thing I could maybe piece together is they only use it every once in a while, and similarly they only practice it every once in a while. So they just lack that comfort level with it, despite the fact that it's been so effective. So it might just be a reprioritization. Going back to the arrogance thing, maybe they're just like working their butts off at practice trying to like perfect the uh very vanilla running game you know like just these uh pieces like they think like oh if we get the fundamentals down they're gonna really start cooking but uh instead maybe the the spicier rpo game is the actual thing that if they put some more investment into would yield more results um that's that's the only thing i can come up with is they're not emphasizing it in practice so they don't emphasize it in the game plan i mean that very well may be the answer and and who knows maybe Maybe we'll find out. Maybe they're saving that also for later on in the season. But it's something that they've showed. They've showed it enough um, that I've taken note and said this is something you can do. It's in the playbook, um, and it works. And I'd like to see more of it. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, I, I want to talk a little bit about Lamar um, because you know he's he's such a unique talent. He's when he's on top of his game, he he's undeniable. Um, the kind of ability he has on the field and it's it's so fun to watch um but then you know every once in a while he just looks off his game and it it doesn't look good um i think that's true for most quarterbacks it's not something that's unique to lamar jackson um but i don't know i don't know for some reason there's like i don't know if it's the lack of engagement in the in the he thinks it's a bad game plan. He doesn't think the play is going to work. I don't know what it is, but I feel like there's kind of a casualness that he, he takes sometimes, um, whether it's his mechanics. Um, and I feel like this is one of those games where, you know, he was a little bit lazy in the way he was throwing the ball. Like there's a lot of off target throws. Um, he didn't have a good kind of set um, platform when he was making a lot of throws. And part of that was, I think the pressure um, it's something that, he didn't look super comfortable um, in a lot of the instances in this game. He had a couple of passes batted. Obviously, he took a few sacks. Um, but I think that there is a little bit of a consistent theme when the pressure is there. Um, I, I started seeing it a little bit last year um, when the offensive line was probably even worse than it is this year. Um, and he seemed like he was um, not comfortable in the pocket, not comfortable making the kind of subtle pocket movements that when he's on top of his game, he does effortlessly and it looks amazing. And he's able to, you know, keep his eyes downfield, find the player to throw to. Um, he does that very well when he's dialed in, but th there's times when he just looks frenetic in the pocket for a lack of a better term. Um, the movements are not uh, subtle. They're very kind of almost violent, I, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and it looks like he, he 
is kind of trying to decide, does he want to pass it? Does he want to tuck it and run? Um, there's that indecisiveness. And, and I don't know, maybe you, you have a different kind of take on it, but it's something that definitely showed up in this game. And it was a big reason why I think the Ravens kind of struggled moving the ball. For several games this year, I've noticed the same thing that you're alluding to, Gabe. And I think as Lamar has progressed as a pocket passer, and he believes in himself and to create these plays downfield, deliver the ball accurately, and he's proven it time and time again, he's a little addicted to it. And I think uh, he he is a little more hesitant than I've seen before to use his legs to get out of situations. Not to say he can't keep his eyes down the field, but he's, he's engaging with the pocket longer than I normally would. And sometimes when you're watching the game, you're just like, dude, it's right there. Just run. Like, I understand that you the coaches might be telling you not to do that as much. You want to take those shots, etc. But it's there. And um, I saw a meme where, like, uh, you know, Lamar's legs is the the patchwork to the the sinking ship or the leaking ship. And I was just like, yeah, that that uh, that does add up to me because he does seem to not want to use that weapon of his as much these days. I mean, I I, I remember I said I looked at the 2018 film of him running around versus 2019 it's totally different Lamar he was looking to run immediately in 2018 it was a completely different like attitude uh, and then 2019 and beyond he's been a little bit more reserved and I think 2021 version of Lamar for many good reasons is doing even less of that but I think it's been a little bit to a detriment because he's getting stuck he's getting this collapsing pocket and he had an opportunity to get out sooner and because he hesitated to maybe try to deliver that throw it's gone so that's definitely something I'm looking for him to maybe tune a little bit better uh, for the situation at hand where he doesn't have the all pro to his left and a, you know, maybe Villanueva or somebody, McCary, you know, somebody doing a better job on the right hand side. Um, and just like the that comfort, because, you know, in the middle of the, the offensive line has been pretty decent, all things considered. I think Powers is a little bit, in my opinion, overstay his welcome. Uh, I'm looking forward to Cleveland getting healthy. I think he'll bring a little bit more. Um, in in both sides of the ball, to be honest, uh, both running and passing. But um, I just think overall, you're looking at a Lamar Jackson that's trying to figure out his identity going forward as a pocket passer versus running and a little bit at war with himself. Um, and it's almost when he stops thinking as much and just doing that he starts playing the best, um, which is interesting because I do see that casualness you're talking about, which almost feels antithesis what i just said when he's more laid back it it would be better but almost it seems like he needs to be in that stressful situation where he really gets that gamer on and sometimes he's just a little more um apathetic towards the situation i agree with you 100 percent. yeah I, f- I feel like we've seen that come out kind of in these games where they've been down um he's kind of hit that like mj mode where he's like i'm just oh yeah the best i'm the best athlete i'm the most competitive person here i'm going to win this game and nothing you can do to stop me um, that, I don't know, for whatever reason, he didn't seem to get there um, in the Dolphins game in, until they were down two scores. <laughs> um, and then we started seeing them moving the ball a little bit better. Um, but, yeah. you know, it's... I mean, going back to the previous game, the Minnesota game, he, he scrambled or, or ran the ball 21 times. Um, that He had 120 yards rushing in that game. Um I don't know. Maybe his legs were tired, honestly, after that performance. Cause it, you know, that's a big thing to talk about, dude. They played a lot of snaps that game. Yeah. And then short week. It's something we talked about going into it. You know, that was one of the biggest offensive performances over time, et cetera. 
And yeah, unfortunately, um, I think there was a lot of things that we could identify before the game of how it could go wrong. But we were just like, surely they won't all go wrong. And I think if one of them didn't go wrong, the Ravens come out with the victory. Um, but unfortunately, they, they did all go wrong. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe that's kind of just the, the truth of it. It was, you know, they, they were maybe a little exhausted. Maybe Lamar was, was not quite 100% um, ready to go. And, you know, fortunately, you know, we do have that mini buy um, to kind of get back if kind of the, the physical toll was taking uh, was was too much there. But it, it's definitely, you know, there's just the balance, you know, that when for a quarterback like Lamar, he needs to kind of kind of constantly walk that line of when do I need to, you know, make that decision to go with the ball when, when I see that opening. I think it's been tougher this year, too, because teams have actively been trying to take away um, the ability scramble. They've they've been kind of dropping mm-hmm. um, their defensive tackles in kind of like a, a, mud, a muddy kind of pocket push where they're not really being too aggressive and in, in getting upfield. They're, they're letting their kind of defensive ends run past the offensive tackles and kind of muddy the pocket that way, force Lamar to feel pressure, step up into a pocket that, that's not re- with the defensive tackle that's kind of looking for him to do that. So mm-hmm. I, I think defenses have been actively trying to take away his ability to scramble. Um, you know, that said, there, there's still some times where I feel like, you know, he's probably made the wrong choice um, both ways. And in 2019, I feel like he made the right choice, like every single play. And it was amazing to watch. Um, he had a much cleaner pocket also, so it didn't hurt. Um, th- last year, it was, it, you know, he was a little up and down. I feel like he definitely got into gear in the second half of the season. And, and then this year, obviously, he's, he's been incredible for most of the games. Um, but the reality is there's a lot that's being put on, on Lamar Jackson. And, and one of the things I wanted to talk about, we don't have to spend too much time on it, though, was a, a stat that pro football focus chart called allowed pressure. Um, and it, it kind of is this in a nutshell where they talk about, you know, is the quarterback kind of inviting pressure onto himself? Is, is he t- holding onto the, the ball too long? Is he, you know, moving into a place in the pocket where there wasn't pressure into pressure um, kind of that kind of thing. And, and Jackson has the second most, in the NFL, behind only Patrick Mahomes, who obviously is a, is also a really good quarterback, um, right. and also tends to do things that are a little abnormal, um, often working well, not always working well. Um, but that's the kind of thing where it's, it's part of what makes Lamar great. Is you know he at times he's like going to hold on to the ball longer. He's also um, I think what third longest at time to throw. So he is holding on to the ball a lot. Um, so a lot of the times the pressure that gets to him isn't necessarily the fault of the offensive line. You know, at some point you have to get rid of the ball um, because the offensive line can only hold their blocks for so long. Um, so it's, it's an interesting conundrum because part of that uniqueness about Lamar Jackson is what allows him to make the exceptional plays, whether it's a scramble for, you know, 30 yards where it's, where it's moving around and, and buying time and finding someone downfield. Um, or, or if it's just, you know, just finding the, the easy route on, on some of these plays where there's a guy underneath who needs to get the check down. Um, I, I don't know. It's kind of an open-ended question because I feel like it, it has, it's a knife that cuts both ways, but maybe there is room for a little bit more getting the ball out fast. Um, you know, kind of like, here's the ball out of the, out of the snap and, you know, three steps and the ball's out or, you know, 
maybe not three steps because he didn't shotgun a lot, but you know, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, like getting the yeah, ball out quickly and short and short routes. Is that something that you think could work? You think it would be beneficial, or do you think in the most it's it's just taking away from Lamar Jackson too much? Um, you know, it is definitely kind of goes back to that war I'm talking about inside of his head where he's trying to decide: Am I holding on to the ball, or am I going to escape and use my legs? But um, no one's been asking. Maybe not no one, but a lot of people have been maybe asking for it, but I've been asking for it a lot. I think uh, the short passing game is one of the keys to this offense, getting the right tempo and just taking some of the pressure off Lamar. Greatest playmaker in the NFL. I, I honestly think I can say that with, with full confidence. There's nobody that can put a team on his back quite the same way as Lamar Jackson. I mean, the guy, I didn't check where the stat is right now, but he's almost the whole offense between the running and the passing. Like, it's going through him. So... I think, though, at the same token, you've got these weapons that they invested in with Hollywood Brown having the best season of his career. This is the breakout that we were all hoping for. It got teased by it at the end of the last year, and it's been full on this year. You have Mark Andrews, who just got paid and has been playing pretty darn well. I think he's upped his game a bit. And then you've got uh, Bateman on the um, new addition, you know, just kind of coming onto the scene the last couple of games, also playing really well. And I just advocate for them to find ways to get the ball into these playmakers' hands quickly, let them create, and allow Lamar just to, like, relax. And it's not all on him. And I think that would go a long way. Yeah, I, I agree. I think especially, you know, when you're trying to get things going, like, early in the game, like, a lot of times the, the Ravens, you know, I think a lot of people have talked ad nauseum, the slow starts, Um can you get some quick passes to get that, get Lamar into that groove? Maybe like we've said previously, use some tempo, you know, get, just kind of get the offense rolling a little bit. Um, and then you can kind of, you know, maybe let Lamar ad lib a little bit more, let, let him kind of do what, what he does best, whether it's, you know, running with the ball, you know, you, there's so many options I feel like that are at, at Roman's and Lamar's fingertips. If they know how to properly harness them and if they know how to use them at the right times um I, f- I feel like you know i, I mentioned the, the sequencing of plays earlier I, I feel like that's something where, where roman really struggles um the play designs are often really good but the play calling and the you know the sequencing of those calls doesn't always add up it's often very predictable um you know we've i've harped so long about passing on first down they finally started passing more on first down this year um to their benefit i would say um maybe not so much in this game because they struggled passing it on any down in this game but even when they passed on the first down in this game i feel like it was pretty good a lot of times they were able to get quick first downs when they were doing that um and then they would get behind the chains a lot of times because they would run for you know a yard and then they would then they would be in a, a obvious passing situation and they were unable to convert um, that seemed like a pretty consistent theme. Um, a- a- anyway, I-, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on, on Lamar in this game um, going forward or-, or what you saw in him out of in this particular game against Miami? I have confidence in Lamar bouncing back. I think that's overall what we have to say. Um, he's still one of the best players in the NFL. And I think um, he was talking about it in the post-game press conference where he said, you know, we just have to stop thinking as much and just go out there and playing. And, um, I think that's definitely a big part of it going forward. And I have full confidence that they'll they'll get it figured out. Um, they're professionals. They're really 
I think they they're one of the best teams, man, in the NFL. I still believe it. So, and that's not just a homer in me. I think it's just obvious when you watch the games. They're built a little different. They're um, a little bit more resilient. And dis- and honestly, despite the fact that they've had almost no generated turnovers, I mean they're um, 29th in the NFL in turnovers generated by the defense. They're 27th in turnover differential. So they're just not getting that side of the ball to help them. So they're kind of playing from behind constantly because they just don't have that this year. And maybe it will turn. I know that turnovers are really hard to – they're not sticky, uh, just kind of like the sack. But they're – and maybe this is the transition into the defense. They're almost not playing with enough sound fundamentals to be worried about turnovers. They're not in the right position, and this is where they get blown up uh, for these huge plays that are – um, I, I keep calling them the strokes of our defense. They, they will be brilliant and just looking really solid. And then they'll have a huge gaffe that they can't recover from. They're already in field goal range. I mean, you know, you can't expect Clayus Campbell to get the stunt called from Broderick Washington every time. You know, that was a, a one-time gift. You can't, that's not what you lean on. So, you know, you give up these 50-yard plays and then you're just screwed. And that's just, that's, those are the breaks. And unfortunately, I mean, gosh, they only gave up 15 points, Gabe. Tell me the last time you heard the Ravens defense gave up 15 points and you're like, ah, the Ravens are going to lose that game. It wasn't, it's been years, years. They, they should be able to score 15 uh, points, no problem, but not this game. And of course we gave them one, you know, gave them the easy touchdown. Yep. So it's really frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. This was a frustrating one because overall I thought the defense really played quite well in this one and, and you mentioned it with the explosive plays and that's been the Achilles heel all season yep. um it's it's been a constant theme and I, I really think it's come down to two reasons why those those plays have been happening one has been assignment breakdowns in the secondary um where, where there's a defender who just doesn't know what he's doing um or is it in complete wrong place and we saw that happen twice in this game um the other factor has been the missed tackles um which which especially earlier on the season um i, th- I think you know, right before the bye, we saw that in the Bengals game, that was one of the ugliest, um, you know, displays of inability to tackle and blown assignments in the same game. It, it was a combination of both. Um, and that led to some problems, obviously. Um, that was probably the worst defensive game the Ravens had in a, quite a while. Um, but, you know, those things, I think, are fixable. That's that's the good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the personnel, I think, is still good good on that side of the ball um so i i have more faith weirdly in in the defense because i feel like it's easier to fix potentially than the offense but i don't i don't know from when you look at the way that the two sides of the ball have performed this year the the offense have well outperformed the defense i would say Mm -hmm. um but it's just it's so it, it should be easier to fix on defense they they have they have guys they, they have players who are playing better. You know, I was on Ken McCusick's podcast, uh, I guess it was after the Minnesota game. Um, we're talking about defense, and we just talked about, you know, the addition of Josh Bynes and, and what he's done to the, mm-hmm. the, to the team and how big of an impact he's made coming in and, and taking over that middle linebacker position. Um, and, and he's kind of reinvigorated Patrick Queen into a player that is, is out there making plays. Um, maybe we should talk about how the, the positives about the defense real quick. Oh, sure, <laughs> end, the, end the podcast with some high, some high notes instead of just the, the sadness that we've been discussing. Oh, for sure. 
Yeah, you're 100% right. Bynes has been, yet again, the savior. The running gag on my show is I owe him a beer. At this point, I owe him a keg. <laughs> I may owe him the whole bar. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, been a savior at uh, the middle linebacker position. He's allowed Queen to play his best ball as a pro, and that's just awesome. And I think what we're seeing is, I, I remember I, I charted it for the Minnesota game, but I didn't do so. I, I looked at it, but I didn't say it out loud. But basically, um, you're sacrificing this game much more. So against Miami, a few more. But only nine snaps against the Vikings of Queen being out there. And you're getting, what, 130 140% of the Queen you were getting before? I mean, you're getting a lot more uh, dynamic plays. He seems to be happy. And the other thing that's, I think, super important is that Queen seems happy that Bynes is succeeding, too. So... Um, he just seems happier overall that the defense is doing better with him in this other role. And I don't think he's upset that he got demoted quote unquote, because I think he can play that position eventually. I, I, I still believe in his growth. He's a very, very young player, kind of similar to Lamar in that way that he was just super young, um, out of college and he has a lot of upside and maybe we'll never see the full upside of Queen because he'll finish his rookie contract and go somewhere else because someone wants to pay him $17 million like Mosley. But, uh, you know, maybe he'll turn it on sooner rather than later. And um, I don't think he'll ever get the middle linebacker position back this year unless something happens to Bynes, and I sure hope that doesn't. We're already so battered and bruised. But um, I think, yeah, you got to be happy about that. And another thing I'll throw out there is that Clayus Campbell is having one of his best years as a pro, and that's saying a lot because he's an all-pro. Um, the guy is playing so darn well, always making impact plays. He's the guy on the defensive line that you can count on. We thought that uh, Matabuke would have this big breakout year, and it's been very hit or miss with him. Uh, but for all of the plays that we thought he could contribute, I've been seeing out of Calais. I think he's playing way better this year than he did last year. I don't know why that is. I know he was a little banged up last year. Maybe that's the that's it. That's the answer. It's very simple. But Calais has been playing extremely well. Yeah, um, Calais Campbell has been incredible. He's been um, by far, I think, the Ravens' best defender, the most consistent defender, game week in, week out. Um, it's it's crazy because you know the stats just haven't been there. If you look at like sacks, um, he he doesn't have a sack on the season, but he I don't know if he leads the team in pressures. I think always leads the team in pressures, but Campbell, um, I was just looking at one statistical place that was counting on. He has 26 pressures through eight games, which is pretty good um, for an def- interior defender. Um, I mean, it's not like Aaron Donald. And, and he does he does come out a little bit more than some defensive players do, or just some defensive tackles do. Um, all last season, he only had 25 pressures, um, mm-hmm. which, I mean, isn't bad for a Ravens defensive tackle, but he's on pace basically to double what he did last year. Um, I think the sacks will get there eventually. Um, Mm -hmm. He's gotten some of the quarterback hits. He's both ways playing excellent because he's someone who's constantly disrupting running plays. Um, Mm -hmm. He's in the backfield, you know, bench pressing an offensive lineman (laughs) four yards back. Um, He looks like he's in, you know, maybe the best shape he's been in, in, in five, six years. Um, and he's playing incredible. So, you know, I don't know if this is going to be his, his last year in the NFL. I don't know if it'll be his last year with the Ravens. I certainly hope that they figure out a way to bring him back mm-hmm. um, because he, he's the one guy up there that they cannot lose. Um, I mean, you know, you mentioned Matt BK. He's been, you know, a little inconsistent. I, I think a lot of people thought he was going to have a breakout um, year 
based off some of you know some of the things he did in the um, his rookie year, um, some of the things you know we saw from the off season. I feel like he got into really great shape, but um, he just he just hasn't had that like snap to snap consistency that that Campbell's had. Um, and I think that Matabike continued to to grow into to a, a bigger role, and he's gotten a little better in the past few games, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, having those two in there has been has been fun to watch. The defensive line has definitely stepped up, um, even even in the absence of, of Brandon Williams and Derek Wolf, who unfortunately we got the news today that he's going to be out for the rest of the season, um, which I'm really disappointed in, just because he was such a big factor for the Ravens last year and their defensive line when when Campbell was hurt when mm-hmm. when Williams was hurt Wolf was the was the stalwart of that line and he he held them together and kept them you know performing at a high level at least as far as for his run defense um, he was just a really really impactful player um so not having him out there this year is is definitely going to hurt um but it does give a guy like Broderick Washington you know some opportunities um he's kind of been like a limited snap so far, but, you know, maybe he'll get worked in a little bit more down the stretch so they can, they can take some of the load off of Campbell. Um, once Williams get back in there, they'll probably rotate him a little bit more too. But, um, you know, I'm just glad that, you know, we, the Ravens were able to acquire Campbell and that he's been, you know, such a fun player to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Campbell's been just a huge addition. Um, I agree with you that I was kind of surprised. There was a couple of games where Broderick Washington was a, um, cut, you know, uh, inactive, mm-hmm. healthy and active. And um, that was surprising to me there, for a while there. Obviously, uh, the devastating um, news with uh, Malik Harrison, you know, getting shot and having to miss now at least three games uh, as he recovers from that. Uh, they were activating five inside linebackers, and I was kind of scratching my head because I think they needed that rotation on defensive uh, line to just make sure everyone was um, as good to go from a snap count perspective. And I've seen since they've had the extra defensive line, I think they've been playing better. So um, I hope that they keep that up. And um, if we also just kind of talk about personnel a little bit, uh, a, a head scratcher on my end is the Jimmy Smith utilization mm-hmm. the last two weeks post by has been really low. And it, it makes you wonder what the deal is. Westry in his first game back after his injury in week one had 17 snaps to Jimmy Smith's 10. And that quite surprised me. Um, I don't know if there's a health thing we don't know about or if he is secretly becoming a safety and like not quite there yet. So they want to wait to use him. I don't know what's going on, but he's uh, not been out there. And I think when you have a defense that's been having these miscues on the back end, a veteran presence could be the guy. And it's, I don't think in my opinion that he's playing at a level to warrant being benched. So it's uh, a bit surprising. Yeah. It's it's a good point. Um, I'm a little surprised by it as well. I'm not sure what the reasoning behind him, um, you know, not having more of a role is. I th- I think they might kind of see him as a, a matchup specific matchup player, um, depending on the type of receiver that might be out there. If it's a big body kind of more of a slower movement type of receiver, I feel like he might get some more reps on that kind of player than kind of like the, the faster, quicker types. Um, it could also just be that they want to get him some some rest. Um, he is older. He's had a lot of injuries. I don't know what his current status is in terms of health. Like you, you mentioned, maybe he is nursing something. Um, but on, on the flip side, you know, I, I think Chris Westry, you know, looked pretty good when he was out there. Um, I mean, it was pretty limited, but I think they did 
find maybe a diamond in the rough with him. We'll have to wait and see, um, you know, what, what his snap count um, looks like down the stretch. But he's someone I, I, I could anticipate maybe seeing more snaps and still having Jimmy on the bench. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. And, you know, I think they've used him at times on, on tight ends too, like some of the athletic tight ends. He's He seems right. to be pretty good in that role. So maybe that's the kind of situation they want to save him for. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, inter- it's interesting for sure. And I think it's something that we should definitely monitor um, as, as we, you know, continue to watch. Um, oh, I mean, I think this has been a really good discussion. You know, the, I'm glad we were able to kind of finish on maybe a bit of a high note with the, with the defense having a good game. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of things that you know, we can look forward to as Ravens fans moving forward. There's still a lot of football left to be played. Um, some critical games on the stretch, as we previously mentioned. Um, so I, I, I do think, that, like you said, the Ravens are a good team. Um, they have the potential to be a great team, I think, if, if they kind of put these things together. Um, you know, the offense has played at elite levels this at times. Um, I think the defense can get there. Um, but, you know, we just have to kind of wait and see, you know, put our hope in, in this in this coaching staff and in the players that they have. And the MVP, uh, Lamar Jackson, um, I'm, I'm, I'm confident. Um, but, you know, it, it is a week-to-week league, so we're just going to have to kind of hope and and cross our fingers that that they make the right decisions in some of these things we talked about yeah man i think the nfl is a league where the best teams don't necessarily win the super bowl and we've seen that many times and that's just because unfortunately like you said it's week to week it's all about who's hot who's not injuries uh a little bit of luck and the good news for the ravens is there's no clear team right now that's uh the team to look out for that can't be beat. I mean, right now, as we record, the Rams are about to lose to the 49ers, which I think will surprise many people by 21 points. It's not even close as the game comes to uh, expire. It's almost uh, with only a minute left and San Francisco with the ball. I can't imagine a way for the, the Rams <laughs> to score 21 here. So, you know, a lot of people thought the Rams were this uh, huge force. And, uh, you know, they added all these pieces, Von Miller, uh, OBJ, all the, they'll, be, they'll be unstoppable. Well, turns out um they're they're just as stoppable as uh the ravens are you know and i think when it comes down to it a lot of ravens fans are worried about this stretch i'm eager for it uh this is the opportunity for the ravens to get better show that they can beat good teams get that confidence and get ready for the playoffs because last i checked they're always good teams in the playoffs that's definitely the case um you know thanks again for coming on um it was a little late notice um i really appreciate you jumping in um it's been a great conversation um you want to you want to tell the the listening audience where they can find you one more time sure thing thanks so much gabe for the opportunity i've had a lot of fun like i said you guys are doing an excellent job so always a treat to see in the podcast player uh you can find us ravens underscore recap we like to post some polls before the games and retweet anything cool that we see like that kurt warner video etc and uh, we're just having fun out there. Um, we appreciate Ravens fans, uh, you know, traveling to these games and bringing the noise. Uh, you know, I think that's one silver line too is that in Miami we had a lot of fans there supporting the team, and I hope that they continue to do that on the road and keep supporting this team. Uh, don't lose the faith, believe, and good things can happen. Definitely, definitely true. Um, Alec is a great follow on Twitter. If you don't follow him already, I encourage you to do so. Um, you can follow me as well at Gabe Fergie. Um, that'll do it for this week's Situation Room. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back again shortly. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.